Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, the first day of August, the first in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Mondays, we take a look at a reading or something to do with the next Sunday, which is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, August the 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Readings are from Genesis 15, Hebrews 11, and Luke 12. And you could do a sermon not only on each reading, but you could probably get three or four sermons out of each reading. So you could do 12 years of sermons just on these readings. There's also something else that some churches use as part of your liturgy. It's called the introit. The introit is from the Psalms, often written by David, and we're going to go over that to begin with today because it really tells you the foundation of the Christian faith. It says, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. The lyre is kind of like a guitar instrument. We're reading from Psalm 147. He, referring to God, covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. Now, we're helping some congregations out in Illinois, and we travel some distance to get to them. It's, it's very interesting to see how fast the corn and the soybeans have grown. Just a few weeks ago, they were empty fields, and now corn is sometimes five or six feet high already, and it fills the land. Everywhere you look, you just see acres and acres of soybeans and corn. In fact, we really enjoy it because there's a place on the way back home that we stop and buy sweet corn. And we're told the sweet corn will be available th probably through August. Uh, the farmer keeps planting it at different times. And yesterday we bought two dozen. Uh, that'll probably last about four days. It's so good to eat that sweet corn, which is different than the other corn that you see grown in the fields by and large. And how did that come about? Because God covered the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills and all of the vegetables that the farmers grow for our sustenance. And while he's doing that, the psalm continues. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. Now, in another passage, God talks about that the beasts and the birds, they don't prepare the soil, they don't plant seed, but God still provides them with the food that they need. That's God taking care of his creation. But where is his real delight? 
That is what Psalm 147 talks about. His delight is not in the strength of the horse. And there are some horses that, of course, race and have great strength. Nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, namely how fast a a man can run in a race like at the Olympics. So where is the pleasure of the Lord? Where is his delight? The verse continues, Psalm 147. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Now, what does fear mean? Well, fear is a recognition that God has the right to send you to hell because in the day that you sin, death is the result. But that fear also is connected with faith. And the next line in Psalm 147 says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. The word hope used in the Psalms is often a synonym for the word faith because we have faith in his steadfast love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's greatest pleasure in those who have that faith. And that's kind of what the Old Testament reading from Genesis 15 talks about. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, who's Abram? He actually is a descendant of not only Adam and Eve, but also of Noah and his family. And a number of families after Noah, he is born as a son. And God decides to come to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, what's God talking about? Well, in the New Testament, we're talked about that we have the weapons of a soldier. We have a shield to protect us from being attacked. We have a sword, which is the main offensive weapon against the devil, which is the word of God. In fact, remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, he overcame that temptation by three passages from the book of Deuteronomy, and he put down Satan. So Abraham is told by God that his reward will be very great, that there will be a result of God being his shield. But Abraham replies to God, this is verse two of chapter 15. O Lord God, what will you give me For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 
And Abraham continued, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. You haven't given me a member of my offspring. Eliezer is not from me. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram again. This man shall not be your heir. So God's talking about Eliezer of Damascus. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now, Abraham was very old at this time. He was 75 years old. His wife was 60. But God brought him outside. Abraham lived in the tent and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So what's God doing here? He's promising to aged Abraham that the son he shall have will result in offspring to Abraham, and it will be as many as the stars in the heavens. Now, we know that has come true because through Jesus Christ, many have come to faith. Why? Even in our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we have almost six million people. And that's not counting all the other Christians in many other Christian churches throughout the world. Now, verse 6 of chapter 15 is really important. And Abram believed the Lord. Now, what does that mean? He believed the promise of the Lord that he will have descendants as many as the number of the stars. But it doesn't end there. It says he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. This is the biggest point in this text because it tells how a human being is declared righteous in God's sight. You are not declared righteous because you do so many good works. No, we fail in deed, thought, and word to do perfect good works. So how are you declared righteous by God? We are declared righteous in the same way that Abraham was. We believe the word of God. In other words, what is faith? Faith is believing the promises of God. Particularly, it's called the gospel. The, the problem with many, many human beings who are not Christian is they really think that the way to heaven is by their works. But their works are such failures by thought, word, and deed 
that none of them can trump their sins. None of them can pay for their sins. In fact, as the introit says, guess what? The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, who those in those who hope in his steadfast love. You see, the word hope is used as a synonym for faith. You know, a lot of times we use the word hope, but not in a biblical sense. Somebody may be going to school and they're going to take a tough course. And their friend, do you think that you're going to be able to pass that course? And the person says, well, I hope so. What does he mean by that? He's not sure he's going to try hard and he has a hope that he may pass the course. But it will really be up to him as to how much he studies and how, how well he does on the tests. This is not the hope of the Bible. When we say we have hope, we would mean it in this way. Somebody may come to you and say, how do you know you're going to heaven? And you will say, that is my hope, which is a sure hope, because I believe the promises of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, notice it's the word belief. It's not whoever obeys. So in Christianity, a very strange thing happens. God saves those who are sinners. If you are not a sinner, you will not go to heaven. Of course, you won't go to hell either. But the difference is, Sinners who go to heaven have that hope. They have that faith. And it just so happens that the reading, another reading for this Sunday is Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a wonderful reading about the faith of individuals. By faith, they believe things that God has promised. It begins, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now that's the only verse you need in the whole Bible against evolution because evolution believes that things came about by things that are visible. In other words, they will say, a human being came about from a monkey, or an apple came about from something that came out of the water. It's ridiculous to believe in evolution. It's contrary to the Bible, and it's also contrary to good science because good science has never been able to get something to evolve, even in a, labor a laboratory. Why? Because you can't go, say, from a turtle to a horse. It's impossible. So evolution between species does not occur. 
But it's in this chapter 11 that we get backed up of Abraham's faith. It begins in verse 8, referring back to Genesis 15. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Remember, God had come to Abraham and told him to go to the land of Canaan because that is where his inheritance would be. And of course, that occurred even though the Jewish people, Israel, were in the land of Egypt, even as slaves for some 400 years. But God restored to them the land of Canaan. Jerusalem is, of course, in that land. And Israel became God's kingdom, the Holy Christian Church. Now, going on with Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. This is important for you to know. God has a vocation for you to fulfill. Now, the word vocation means to call, and God calls you to a number of vocations. I am a pastor, I am a husband, I am a son. I am a father, I am a grandson. So you have a number of vocations and each of them have special privileges and responsibilities. And therefore it is important to follow what God says in those responsibilities. You may not know what is going to happen as you grow up and become a pastor or a teacher or a fireman or a policeman or a worker in an office or a mother or whatever. But you may not know it, but God has promises never to leave you nor forsake you. So verse 9 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith. Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And why did he do that? Because of the hope that he had due to the promises of God. It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, designed and builder is God. So by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age of conception. Why? Since she considered God faithful who had promised, there again, we have what faith really is. Faith is belief in a promise from God himself. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, 
because of the age of Abraham, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand and by the seashore. See, that's what happened to Abraham. But then it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Now, now wait a minute. If God promises something, what does this verse 13 of Hebrews 11 mean? That they had not received the things promised. But it continues. They had seen them and greeted them from afar. They acknowledge that here on earth they were exiles. They were strangers. And what they were seeing from afar was the land, the homeland they were seeking. Verse 15 says, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. And then it says what that better country is. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So this is what faith means here on earth. Yes, we're living here on earth, but we need to consider ourselves kind of exiles because we are not part of the Garden of Eden but we're going to be returning to a homeland that is described in the book of Revelation as the Garden of Eden, where God is going to not only supply all our needs, but he is also not ashamed to call himself our God. Now see, he was ashamed when the people of Israel were relieved of slavery from Egypt. They went to Mount Sinai. God had Moses come up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And the people got impatient. God was taking too long with Moses. So what did they do? They constructed a golden calf and began to worship it. And God was much displeased with them. In fact, when Moses returned and saw what was happening, an earthquake had occurred and killed many of the people who were having a party around the golden calf, worshiping it rather than the true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what you and I do every time we sin. We decide that God is not as important to us as our own desires. And therefore, we put our desires ahead of God's because Satan 
sounds like he's got a better promise. That's what Adam and Eve thought. God said, you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Satan said, no, you're not going to die. You're going to become like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So obviously, it was a better plan to follow Satan. Just as when Jesus was tempted, the temptations of Satan were very similar to those of Adam and Eve. They sounded better. Jesus would not have to die on the cross. He would only have to jump from the pinnacle of a temple, and people would recognize that he was the Messiah. What an easier way. He was hungry. Well, all he had to do was follow Satan's advice and change rocks and stones into bread, and he would be filled. And then he also could have all the kingdoms of the world that Satan said he owned and would give them to Jesus if Jesus would bow down and worship Satan. See, that's what's behind our sin. We bow down and worship Satan because his promises sound better. That's why it's important that we listen on Wednesdays as we're going through Solomon's book on Proverbs because it shows the difference between the foolish people who are unbelievers listening to the temptations of Satan that at first sound better than the promises of God, but they are not. The promises of God are more sure. And the promises of God have taken place in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died so that you will never really die, as your spirit, as, an, as a believer, will be taken to be with Jesus forever. That's his promise. It's the promise of the gospel. And therefore, Christianity is definitely the way in which you are saved by grace, through faith, on account of Jesus. On tomorrow, we'll be taking a look at a hymn assigned for this Sunday with Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. Oh, little flock, fear not the foe. And we'll take a look at it from a law and gospel point of view. Until then, tell others about law and gospel. And until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.